All right, well, welcome in to this week's Midweek Bible Study. We are very thankful that you have joined our podcast this week in our study in Philippians. And last time around, um, we were finishing up chapter number one of Philippians, and we finally made it to chapter number two. It has been a long time coming, but uh, I I do enjoy going even as slowly as we went through this book Um, We've not exhausted it either. There's a lot of good stuff in here, and I just continue to be thankful for all that God continues to show us through it. So uh, we're going to look in Philippians chapter number two today. Look at the first five verses out of Philippians chapter number two. Very excited to, uh, like I said, continue this study, and we've got some things, um, some uh, series in the future once we get through Philippians God's leading us to, but I've enjoyed this study here. This is a great study uh, for the church, for people who are learning, who want to be better Christians and better, uh, you know, better stewards of what God's blessed us with concerning um, His church. And so, as I study this, I find myself very challenged um, by all the truth that's found within. And I believe Paul is pointing towards his testimony as being a uh, a, a stepping stone towards Christ. As far as look at you know, the sacrifices made, look at what God's done for me, and look at how God can do the same for you. And he wasn't a man that was an arrogant man. He wasn't a man that needed any kind of attention, but he used his life and his suffering to point people to Christ. And we've been learning that, and I believe we understand that. But we specifically find him kind of turning it towards the way the Christian people, the way this New Testament church would handle um, their dealings one with another. Um, when he starts dealing and talking here in verse number two concerning their relationships with one another. And so it goes on and it says in verse number one of Philippians 2, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind." Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not, verse number four, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of, the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which all was also in Christ Jesus. And so I believe he's giving a kind of a guide on being a, good Christian, being a good brother or sister in Christ, and how we deal one with another. I believe that he gives us a few principles here in the start of this chapter, and we know uh, through this, uh, this study that it is very vitally important that we are living a life that reflects on Christ, or reflects to Christ, rather. Living a life that shows Christ through us, and people can clearly and evidently see him through us, and it's vital that that's the way we walk in our day-to-day lives. And so when we think about living worthily in the church, is what I like to say, what I like to, uh, to, to refer to, is living worthily in the church, being who we need to be in our relations with other Christians, in our examples to the world, in our examples to the lost, the, the way we are in whatever your position is, how you act and how, how you serve, it is vital that we take hold of these few principles that Paul brings forth here. 
And so when you look, look with me in verse number two, again, he says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And I really, you know, I think about this and I think about what that means. I believe Paul is wanting us and asking us to serve with unity and purpose. And I heard a story about a, a church this week, and I was reading this. I was reading a book and read this story about this church, and it says when a certain church in Dallas became divided, the rift was so bitter that each side instituted a lawsuit seeking to dispossess the other from the church's property. This despite Scripture's warnings about taking such matters before public courts. The story, of course, hit the Dallas newspapers and garnered considerable interest. From the readers, the judge wisely ruled that it was not the province of the court to deter, decide such matters. Until the case had been heard before uh, a, a church court or church conversation, whatever that may, may be, within the church. So the dispute was rem remanded to the church court, essentially, where eventually the decision was made to award the real estate and properties to one side. The losers withdrew and formed another church nearby. And the writer says, church growth, the American way. And, you know, I think about that. And I think about growing up in the mountains of western North Carolina. And there, it's always been something that people have said. But, you know, there's a, there is a church on every corner. You can find somewhere to worship everywhere you go, honest to goodness. It just it seems like everywhere you go, you can find somewhere to worship. There's a church here, there's a church there, and in the mountains, nine times out of ten, it's a Baptist church, and there are loads of them everywhere. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the the strife that can come up in men's heart, in their hearts, and the, the anger that can come up in men's hearts, and how that they would seek to split a church or divide a church, and I've seen things like this happen. But to think that it gets to the point in some circumstances with people that they are willing to take somebody to court over over church, over God's house. We gotta realize first and foremost that if we're gonna have unity in our in our purpose, if we are going to be united in the goal that we're we're in, whatever that may be, whether that's uh, our you know, uh, our goals with uh, evangelism or our goals with uh, with um, you know, discipleship or whatever it may be, if we're going to be unified in those per in that purpose, we have to realize that we've got to work together to make that happen. Now, I, I think about my dealings, and I've not always done what I should to to try to work like this with people, and I'm I'm guilty of that. I'm I remember especially um, as a younger uh, Christian and as a younger. Um, you know, I'm not that I'm not a young preacher, but when I was uh, starting, just really just starting out and in, in preaching, I think about how I handled these circumstances where I came to this crossroads and it wasn't necessarily that either party had done anything wrong. We just had different viewpoints about something. And not that there was even any biblical uh, grounds to say, well, you're right or you're wrong in a doctrinal basis or you're wrong. You know, the Bible states that this or about, it wasn't that. It was just the fact that two Christian people didn't exactly see eye to eye on the way that something should be done. And so what I would do is, you know, all right, you know, I, you just you, you're going to have to uh, follow what the way the Lord's leading you, and I'm going to have to follow the way the Lord's leading me. And we just go on. We stay friends and we're happy and we keep going. And I believe that God wants us to stay, um, but but let me wrap that up by saying that if that person needed me, 
if that person uh, needed my support, needed my help, as long as they were following the truth, following God's word, I would help them. I would I would do everything I can to try to help further what you know their calling in their life is. But there are so many people that are divided um, in their in their purposes and in their goals, and and unfortunately, and even down to to the churches. There's churches out there that are dying out, and people in their goals and their motives are not to build up the kingdom. Their goals and their motives are not to to try to have the same love, the same purpose, the same goal, the same mindset, the same vision. Uh, their their goals and their purposes are their own fleshly desires, their own agendas to try to. Uh, build themselves up or, or put themselves or their family into a certain position so that they can um, control things. And that's not what God put his church um, up on this earth to do. I preached on Sunday. You think about the vineyards. There were three clear vineyards that had been planted by God. The garden before Noah, Israel, and the church. And he has planted this wonderful vineyard on a very fruitful hill, giving us a great opportunity to serve him and live for him and we need to do it in unity in our purpose. Our goals need to be the same. And and we'll cover back we're going to wrap up with that thought again here in just a few moments, but we need to have unity in our purpose. We need to bind together being as it says being of one accord, of one mind. If we're going to serve God effectively with other Christians, with other Bible believers, we need to be in one mind and one accord. And it goes on in verse number three, and it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And so it's important that we not only have unity in our purpose, but we have unwavering humility. It's important that we ourselves, when we get up, we humble ourselves. We get ourselves down and we realize that we are not, uh, you know, God's gift to humanity. We are not the blessing um, of, of God upon the world. That is not our responsibility. There are people that are going to do that. They're going to there are people that will pursue that, that will enjoy what that benefits them with. And what that will do, building yourself up and, and, and building up this ego, it, it will be great for some people. But that's their gift. That's their glory. That's their, their, their blessing. Um, and there are Christians that will go to heaven. And, and they have, have enjoyed some of the pleasures um, that this world offers because they've allowed um, this, this ego to step in and, and allowed themselves to, to, to build up and, and their head get uh, too, too big for their shoulders, as some people would say. But we need to have unwavering humility. Everything we do should be as a humble servant of our Lord. If we have, a uni- if we have unity in our purpose— I believe that we can have unwavering humility because if your purpose is correct to serve God in the church, if your purpose is correct to serve God out in the community, if your ser- purpose is correct to serve God in your home, then it, then you will be able to be humble because your your purpose is to serve Christ. Your purpose is to build up his kingdom. Your purpose is to see people be saved and come to know the gospel of Jesus. And so with unwavering humility, we need to deal with people. It says, but, low, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And what that means, being humble, is I believe the perfect form of humility is the Lord Jesus Christ. To think about being the, the only begotten son. To think about being the, the uh, line of the tribe of Judah. To think about being the redeemer of the earth, the Messiah, the creator of the earth, the redeemer of our sins. To be all that he was and all that he is wrapped up 
in swaddling clothes in a feeding trough. That is humility. That is the perfect example of humility. He knew that it would be vital that his, his to come to the earth and be able to uh, win man to him. He knew that it would be important that through that humility, he could show the world that you didn't have to have all these things. You didn't have to uh, be this this king or that king, or you didn't have to be, uh, you know, this this rich person or or come from from this type of uh you know, background or whatever it may be, he knew, and in his unwavering humility, he leaves an example for us. So if our if our if we're unified in our purpose to serve him, it will be easier and easier to be humble. And when we're humbled because our purpose is right and we're humbled by that, then it is easier to lift up the name of the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that means is that you're putting others around you before yourself. And so that with saying that, it goes on in verse number four. It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And my goodness, how, how beautiful that is and how we need to cling to that because it is very important that we have undying servitude. And as I was, I was thinking about this, I was thinking the, the people in my life that have had the most effect on me, the people in my life that have been the biggest blessings upon me have been people who were just servants. They, they didn't have a big name. They didn't have, uh, but they, they didn't have a big name. They didn't have anything that, that was, uh, you know, really of substance upon this earth. Uh, the things that they did have, they didn't really cling to it. They were just thankful for what God blessed them with, and they were building up treasures on the other side. And I think about how in, in our day we think about the, the, the goal or the, I guess, the, the mark of success means that you've, uh, but, but the mark of success means that you've gained a certain amount of things upon this earth. And unfortunately, we don't think enough, we don't preach enough, we don't teach our kids enough about what true wealth is. And true wealth are the things that are set up eternal. True wealth are, are the things that are on the other side. And it's important that, that we recognize that and being, to be able to be the servant that you, need, you want to be, to be able to take up that cross and, and follow Christ, you've got to lay all other things aside. I think about the story of the rich young ruler, and I don't have the scripture in front of me, but it just brings me to that story, and I'm thinking about that. And just to paraphrase, to think about that rich young ruler, he wanted to know what it meant to follow Christ, what it meant to be saved, what it meant to be a Christian. And Jesus, he he says, of course, take up your cross and bear bear, uh, take up take up your cross and follow me. And he says, set. He, he's telling him in essence. You've got to get rid of all this other stuff, all these possessions, because Christ could see into the heart of that rich young ruler. He could see into the heart of that man and know that his purposes and his goals and his ambition and the things that he was chasing in his life, he knew because because he created him. He knew what mattered the most to him. And so you've got to give up to be able to successfully serve to be able to successfully carry your cross, bear your cross, and follow him, to be able to successfully do that, you have to set aside all of the things in your in this world that you put in front of him. And you have to choose that on a daily basis. And I've had to learn that in my life as far as it, it's a difficult thing because God's blessed me immensely. He's blessed me so much. I any anything I've ever wanted or needed, He's provided in some form or fashion. Um, and and you know, it's not always the newest thing. It's not always the most expensive. But God has blessed me as far as an earthly possession is can is 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 thought of. He's blessed me tremendously. 
And I think about that, and I think about the, the magnitude of how uh, the poorest people in our nation live, live wonderful, wealthy lives compared to some other countries. And how that, you know, I, I think about my life, and there are people out there that if I want to, if I want to reach them, if I want to get to them, I need to get some of this mess that I, I build up, that I'm, I'm trying to pursue, this stuff I'm chasing out. I need to get this after, you know, out of the way. Verse uh, 24 of 1 Corinthians 10, it says, Let no man seek his own, but every man another, another's wealth. And to think about that statement and think about that, not seeking after your own. I want to be the servant that I need to be. I want to be the follower of Christ I want to be. I want to be the, the, the prayer warrior that I need to be. I want to be all these things. You've got to take all that stuff that gets between you and the Lord and get it out of the way. And I believe that's what Paul is saying. Being worthy in the church. Being an addition to the church. Being a part of the church that is actually benefiting someone. You've got to put these things away. Not just put them away, but it says, I'm going to read it one more time. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You've got to put your stuff, stuff to the side. And like that verse in 1 Corinthians says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. You've got to look towards the things of others and try to build them up. Try to help them. Try to bless them. Try to be there for them. I would rather, I, I think about this, and, and it's, it's, a hard, it's easy to say, but it's hard to practice. But, I, you know, building other people up is a beautiful thing in life. And to be the servant that you need to be, you've got to be focused on the things of others. Not in an envious way, not in a covetous way, but just to try to build them up. So we need to have unity and purpose. We need to have unwavering humility, undying servitude, but we need to have unity in Savior. Verse number five, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we're going to dig into, into chapter and in verse five and a little bit more, uh, five, maybe six, next go around, Lord willing. But we need to have unity in Savior. And this took me to another chapter in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians number 3, where it says, And our brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you milk with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Whether yet, neither yet, now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and, I, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, I have planted Apollos, wa I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And so what you were finding in this Corinthian, what you were finding in this Corinthian church is that the, the people there, they saw the great things that Paul was doing. They saw the great things uh, that Apollos was doing, but they and they identified themselves with them. They aligned themselves with them. 
And what they weren't understanding is that the great things that Paul was doing and the great things that Apollos was doing were only because God allowed them to be vessels of his of his ministry, of his purpose and his work. It wasn't anything that Paul got up and did that, that was able to save anyone. It wasn't anything Apollos preached that was able to reach anyone's heart. But it was God through his men that was able to go and touch people. And we need to have our, our purpose needs to be unified in and it needs to be we need to know that that our purpose on this earth is to reach people for the cause of Christ we need to be humble and and unwavering in our humility we need to have an undying servitude we need that that needs to live in our heart but we need to have unity in our savior because I can't start following this pastor I can't follow start following this preacher I don't need to start following this leader I don't need to start following this person and identifying with them the issue that we see today is people identify and align themselves more with men than they do God. And when we do that, it's very dangerous. It is vital that we are unified in our Savior because that is what bear, that's how the, the Spirit can bear witness one to another. It is important that our goal isn't isn't to glorify ourselves. Our goal isn't to glorify this man, but rather it is to glorify the Lord. Mark my words, you will know someone. You will know someone. That is of Christ. I love the work of Paul, but I'm of Christ. I love the work of many preachers out there that have helped me. I love the work of many good Christians that I know, but I am of Christ. And if I want to serve worthily in the church, if I want to be an addition to God's family, if I want to be an addition to the kingdom, I need to be unified in Savior and say, I'm of Christ. I'm not of Josh, I'm not of this person, I'm not of that person, I'm not of this group, I'm not of this college, I'm not of this whatever. I am of Christ. Our purpose, our humility, our service, and our Savior should all point to Him. And he says, he says, let this mind be in you. These things, these principles that he's teaching. Their purpose, their humility, their servitude. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to be like him. We'll finish on. We'll we'll continue on, Lord willing, in verse number five of Philippians chapter two. Next time we gather together in our midweek Bible study. I do appreciate you coming on and listening. Uh, Please reach out to us if we can do anything for you. We love you each and every one church, and we will pray and be done. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for this bread of life. We thank you for this word that you've blessed us with. And God, we just pray that we would uh, grow in grace and knowledge of you and your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the truths that we find in this old King James Bible. We thank you for giving it to us and breaking it down. Sometimes, Lord, we know that we need the milk, but we thank you, God, for the meat. And uh, we pray that we would mature to the point where we could have more of that meat. Lord, we love you. We thank you for each and every one. God, we pray for those out there and that are hurting in our nation. We pray for those that are hurting in our churches. God, and we just pray most of all for the lost, um, the, those that are hurting and those that are feeling pain. God, we, uh, we, we, we feel it and we're hurting, but those that are saved, no matter the amount of pain we feel, we know that there's an eternity with you and your son, Jesus. Not everyone has that promise, God, and we pray that you would just take even that special object, as I mentioned that. Take that special object. You know the need, God, and be with them. Help that person. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.